Matthew 16 is this beautiful, profound piece that we have with Jesus speaking to his disciples. And uh, verse 13 says, When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So he, he kind of guides them where he wants to go with this because he declares the word, Son of Man, of the, the profound, the prophetic, they understood what he was trying to say. He says, who do men say I am? Not just me, the son of man, my natural being. Not the son of God, spiritual being. Who do men say I am from the natural? What do they see? What do they perceive in what they are seeing in this moment? And um, so they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah. Others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. So they were immediately going into what people were saying. Here's something different about this man. This might be a reincarnation. This might be uh, a prophet that's come back. This might be the prophetic, all that. There's prophetic, there's prophetic, there's prophetic. There's a spiritual aspect to what this man is in front of them. And then he says, um, and he said, but who do you say that I am? It's not just what somebody else is saying. What do you say? What are you seeing? What are you? Now, we've all heard this sermon. We all know this. But I want to revisit this because it is something of a profound time where we are living in to ask the question, what do we see about God? What do we believe about the kingdom and about this time we're alive right now? Because we can still be in yesterday's knowledge, in two years, no, three years, five, six, seven years ago, but we're in a different time with a different season where people are getting up on TED Talks as, as young students and saying pedophilia is also a sexual orientation or preference, and nobody should even judge that. Hello. Is that, are we hearing right? Did somebody cook us as a frog in a pot? Do you know that old illustration? Slowly cooked us until we got to a place where we are making statements and society is not standing up against that. Are we being cooked? And when somebody stands instead of kneels, he's wrong because he doesn't say, I don't want to kneel before man, but I want to kneel before God. What do, what do we make? Have we become a society of, of sheep that follows others and then bullies those who don't follow like us? And the problem is, I'm now quoting society, but how many of us know that Christians are doing exactly the same? Where the church does not look different than what this, the liberal society is saying, the liberal voice is speaking out, and the church is just echoing, oh, you remember some of my, ser my sermon a while ago? The church is just echoing society. We're just going with it. We don't want to rebel against nobody have church, don't have church, pray, don't pray, do this. Like, okay, say this matters, that doesn't matter. Okay. And we follow. Jesus asked the question, who do you say I am? Do you believe me? When we look at our country and we look at the things that are going on, we can get very fearful of what's happening right now. Our economy. Talking about another lockdown. 
talks about this, eco- the, the, the travel industry, things about our economy, about what that will be over December, no international flights coming. People are like, oh, word, what is going to happen here? What is going to happen there? Oh, we know the stories, right? We're sitting around the conversations. You read the news or you hear the news or you bump into the news. Or even if you don't want to hear, you still hear the news. You know that kind of person. You're trying to get away from them, but they're still being that negative, And they still, when we need to be positively, or toxic positivity. So you ask the question, who do you say that I am? Um, and Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Where does Simon look to when he sees this revelation? Where does he beyond what he sees? He doesn't see a prophet. He doesn't see John the Baptist. He doesn't see any of the things that are saying, the stuff that were in the natural. You've got to understand, at this very moment in time, when Christ is birthed in the earth, Israel is at its peak of slavery and oppression and Everything that was going on with the Roman Empire and the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Wishukusis and the Nebuchadnezzar and all of these guys that were there at that moment suppressing and oppressing and, and misleading. And they're all waiting for a Messiah who would come like a Moses and set them free. They were all waiting for a political leader that would somehow rule and reign in Israel and the throne would never ever go down. They would always be a great power. So they're looking at the natural, the natural, the natural, the natural. So no wonder when Jesus decides to go and die, they get all messed up. Like the leader we are waiting for, the great one, the Messiah, now dies. But in this moment, Peter sees something. He does not look at the natural. He doesn't see the political leader. He doesn't see the voice, the voice in the wilderness. He doesn't see the prophet that's just taking him. He sees the Son of God. He looks beyond the natural. He sees Jesus. Now listen to what he says to him. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, son of Jonah. For flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. CNN did not reveal this to you. Facebook did not reveal this to you. YouTube did not reveal this to you. APSA did not reveal this to you. Mr. Cyril... Did not reveal this to you. Mr. Malema did not reveal this to you. Nobody, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. Church, do not go back to a mediocre kind of life where we're happy to get up in the morning, go to work during the week, or not go to work, popping on a Sunday, maybe not popping on a Sunday, living a life where we just hope that everything's going to be okay and we've got nothing to do with that. This is, we walk by. Faith, not by sight. But where a church was created over time that's been built on sight and very little faith. Where we've built our muscle on what we could see and not what we could faith. Faith without deeds is? Oh, so there's got to be some faith deeds. There's got to be some walking in the area of water. We've got to step out into places where we face giants. We've got to get around places where there are some walls. If I'm not facing any walls right now, I might be in the wrong promised land. 
I didn't expect a lot of amens on that one because we want it easy, right? We want the scratch and win kind of thing. We want the lotto gospel. We don't want the gospel of faith because faith is I walk by faith. I walk in a place where it isn't easy because I know within him he's in the boat when it's in the storm. Oh, I can feel I'm stirring something in the spirit this morning. Because the context of that is we cannot go back to a church that's satisfied with just coming to church, just sitting in church, hearing something, walking out, and don't, I don't even remember what was preached last week. What do I do with what God gave me last week? I want something fresh, but the fresh He gave me, I didn't even eat. I licked it, I looked at it, I'm like, oh, that was a nice sermon. I walked out, I didn't even eat it. I didn't regurgitate it. I didn't go back and meditate on it. I didn't spend time in it. When he says to Joshua, Joshua, do you want to know how to be successful? Do not let the word depart from your mind and in your mouth. Let it be in the context of what I'm speaking, what I'm thinking, what I'm doing. Who do men say I am? Well, we say you're a prophet. You're maybe John the Baptist. But who do you say I am? You're the Son of God. I have a revelation of you. I understand you. I see you. I've positioned myself to see who you are. I know what you're talking about. I'm stepping out in faith. I'm walking in what you've got. I'm taking the word. I'm applying it to my life. And then he gets to this and he says the following. And I also say to you, you're Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. On what? On the revelation of seeing in the Spirit. It's not just about seeing that He's the Christ. It's about the constant understanding that I do not see Him and the natural. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5 when he says, I know no man after the flesh. Excuse me. Then why is the church calling Black Lives Matter? When Paul himself, oh, I'm so sorry, I am a white skin, because when people look at me, they only see me as white. But when I see you, I don't see you as a color. I see you as a child of God. When he says, I know no man after the flesh, I don't care if you... And I want to say also this, because we have people jumping up now, because they are Black Lives Matter, we jump up now, and we say farmers' lives matter. Sorry, I'm also scratching there because we are trying to look at what color there is instead of what the gospel is. The gospel says, I know no man after the flesh. No man. I don't know you after your skin color. I don't know you after where you've come from. I look at you from what God sees in you. You are seated in heavenly places. So as the church, we should say, we don't want nothing to do with that. We're not going to be. We're going to preach the gospel. We hate all evil. All evil. Whether you're living here on the Cape Flats or you're living on a farm, somewhere your life's in danger. Whether you're driving around in Santon or you're driving around in Strand, there is a possibility that your life is in danger. No matter what color you are or where you're from, we live in South Africa. It's the Wild West, man. You've got to understand the context of this is that when, when we see this, what Peter says, he says, on this I'll build my church. What? The revelation of Christ. He won't build his church on a social rant and rave that we have, whether we kneel or not. The context of that is everybody is so finicky about what we say because, oh no, you, you know I've been around places where they told me because my skin is white, I have no chance to preach in certain parts of America. 
I have no right to talk about the gospel because my skin is white. And right now they only want Asian and white women. Sorry, Asian, black women, then white women, then disabled, then white. From a gospel point of view. And I said, okay, that's all right. But he says, go to those who are sick and weary, and I'll go to them. And I say, hey, but those who are trying to put up a cause instead of the gospel, we're in the wrong place. And you know what I'm talking about? It's an American problem. No, it's very much a South African problem when we have cricket players and rugby players and some players, whoever, whatever players, maybe they're card players. I don't know what they're doing. They are they lace players. You know, these guys are lace chips add. Now they want to shout certain stuff about it. all lives matter. No lives matter. There's only one life matters, Jesus Christ. I am found in Him. That's where the gospel is. And when I preach it as a white skin, they want to tell, yeah, but you white, you privilege, you this, you that. Come on. Has the church fallen to that when Paul himself says, I, everything that I am, I call as rubbish in knowing Christ. My whole lineage is filled with privilege and everything. I said, but I come to this place when I look at I am found in Christ. We have a ministry of what? Reconciliation. To do what? Bring people back to Christ, to the Father. That's where the truth is of the gospel. That when we come back to that place, I don't care where you're living, you'll have peace. I don't care what you're facing, you'll have peace. I don't care if everybody's against you, you'll have peace. So Sean, you don't know, I've been treated this way. Yeah, you have, but that's your past. Let's look to your future. Because if you're going to live out of your past to try and fix your future, you'll never fix it. You'll never fix it. If I can look back at the poverty and the, and the discrimination within my own life, I should be on every couch of every psychiatrist and psychologist and every other place in the natural. But, in the, but because of the gospel, I know what he says, not what man says. Man says you're not worthy. God says you're worthy. So whose, whose opinion do I want? Do I want a government to tell me that I'm okay? Do I want my peers to tell me I'm okay? But the church echoes what society is saying instead of what God's saying. Who do you say that I am? Not who do you say that you are. What did Jesus do when he identified with Peter? What did he do? He asked him who he was, not who Peter was. I am found in who? Christ. My identity is not me. It's Him. How did God restore Peter? He said, do you love me? What was the revelation that built a church? Who Christ is. Not who I am. I am found in Christ. What does Scripture say? It's no longer I that live, but Christ. The very context is his opinion, his revelation. My revelation, I am in him. And here's the power of this. I cannot be removed from him because I've been birthed into him by incorruptible seed. Even my own mistakes and my own tantrums and my own not going to remove him. It's not going to intimidate him. He loved on me, still loves on me. That's the very power that sets me free continually day after day after day. It says, and the gates of hell 
will not prevail against this. Hell cannot come against the revelation of who you are in Christ. Hell cannot stand against that. I know who I am in Christ. I know His opinion. He's the Son of God. Why was that such a powerful thing? Let's go to Ephesians. Because I said I was going to talk about Ephesians. So, are you still with me? You're okay? I'm glad they're recording this right now. You guys are all recording this right now, right? Because I might not preach it the same way the second service. So. I'm glad this is coming out the way it is. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 15. Therefore, so he's just been laying down the foundation of the inheritance, who we are as the fullness. It's a beautiful, beautiful piece up to verse 15. And because of what the promise is of the Holy Spirit, at the end of verse 13, 14, he goes into verse 15. He says, Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayer. So Paul's saying, hey man, I'm praying for you. I know God's doing great stuff amongst you. There are things being stirred, but I haven't stopped praying for you. I want to just, just because it's going well with somebody doesn't mean you must stop praying for somebody. Doesn't doesn't mean that somebody. Uh, this is just a sidetrack. It's an SABC moment. Okay, it's like a little ad moment. But we, we see a pastor. We see a person. We see them doing. The, they look well. It doesn't mean that they are doing well. We're going to be praying for people. I don't. I don't. I don't stop mentioning you in my prayers. I'm praying for you. I'm declaring over you. I'm speaking into your life. Powerful moment here of an active church, an active member. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit, listen to this, the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. You want wisdom and revelation? It's found in the knowledge of Him. It's not found in the knowledge of me. I want to have wisdom. I want to have Sure, I just want to see clear of what God's speaking into my life. I want to see where it is. Where is that? In Him. The more I know Him, the more I have wisdom for my business. Going to be honest with you, that's the truth. The more I know Him and who He is and what He's doing in my life, the more I'll have wisdom and knowledge for my marriage, for my business, for my life, for my children. It's in Him. In what? In the knowledge of Him. And he has the power. He says it's the Spirit. So basically what he's trying to say is you'll understand the Holy Spirit. Better by the knowledge of who he is. Ooh. Listen to verse 18. So he just said that. He said, The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know. Ooh. So he says there's something about seeing and knowing. What is the hope of the calling? So I, I'm going to see and know my calling. What calling? The riches of glory. Oh. Of an inheritance in the saints. So, I'm going to see and know. Was the glorious inheritance in me? Let's jump a little back. He said, I, wanna, I can give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation when you know me. But you will see and know what is the glorious inheritance deposited in you. You will see and know what is the glorious inheritance. What in inheritance? 
Listen, man. I remember years ago, I was standing in the bank. Uh, I was about to deposit some cash. I was a youth pastor in Pretoria and very large congregation. So we had different times. We had to go with all the offering and thousands and thousands of rand. So you have to wait in, this, in the private queue with the, with the, for the deposits. Now it's a lot different back in the modern day. But back in the day, carrying these bags and standing there. And there's a lady in front of me, and she's finishing off, and she stops, steps away. I step forward, and I can see the guy sitting behind the counter, it's like in awe of this moment. And I thought, well, was it because the lady was beautiful or something? I don't know. And, he, and I said, are you okay? And he says, I haven't dealt with so much cash in a long time. And I said, what, what do you mean? He says, she's just come to shift some of their inheritance and things around. She inherited 500 million. It's back in the day. And the family fought so much about it, so she gave them 200 million. And she just had to move it around to some of the others. And I'm listening to that and going, I just looked at that lady. She stood in the same cubicle as me. Um, she looked very ordinary, but nothing could separate her from her inheritance. She had all the authority to stand there and move her inheritance around. Nobody could tell her, no matter how much they screamed, no matter how much they went on, she had still had the decision about her inheritance. There is an inheritance that's been given to you that's been deposited in you it is the glory of god see we make light of that as if it's a little airy fairy dust that just pops out it's a little goosebumpy thing and we think that's the glory of god when the glory of god filled the temple they could not stand in the old and moved in like a cloud and they had to lay some of them could not enter into the presence because they would die now listen, when I'm talking about this, he's talking about you. He says that inheritance was given to you. Oh, you did not deserve it one bit that his glorious presence would come and live in you. But by his choice, his presence came into and made it abode of an inheritance that nobody could take from you. See, he made covenant so I could be partaker of his covenant with himself that I could live in the inheritance. See, people talk about we're in the New Testament of an inheritance, Old Testament covenant. We, we missed that. There was another covenant. The covenant was between him and himself. Between God and the Son. On a cross, a blood covenant was made when the testator was risen so that it would be a for eternal covenant of your inheritance. I know I'm dropping stakes now, but you need to grab hold of this. So that we can get to this scripture when he says, yeah, uh, we'll go, let's go on. Verse 20, which he worked in Christ when he raised. So it's, there's so much. He's talking about the exceeding great power. I can't get into this. It's too, too great. Verse 21. Far above all the print, no, no, verse 20, which he worked in Christ when you raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places. Where is Christ now? On the right hand in heavenly places. What is the right hand? Authority. What is the word Christ? Anointed. Anointing. What was the prophetic about Christ? It said, that's why they said to him, Jesus, what, you cannot go. The Christ will remain. What did he say to them? The Christ will. It is to your advantage that I go. But that he, 
would come. So that he would abode with you. So that he would become one with you. Where is the Christ? In me. But now he just said the Christ is at the right hand of the Father. Far above. Listen what he says here. He says, far above all principalities. Illuminati. Illuminati. <laughs> what are you talking about? Far above all principalities. No, it's this political party. It's that political party. It's this thing. No, far above all principalities. All. And power. And might. And dominion. Oh man, he just covered it all. And every name that is named, listen to this, not only in this age, but in 2020. Abba. I don't care what name you're going to name, whatever this time period is. I don't care what little slap we're going to put on this generation. I don't care what name we're going to write behind what God's about to do or what the, the world is doing right now. I'm telling you what God did. He foreknew in Christ when he died on a cross, he said, in this age and the age to come, every name is under my feet. Every name. It's nothing new under the sun. When it rises, I can already look at it and say, I have a glorious inheritance. It dwells in me. I am seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. A name above every name. I am the dwell. Oh, I want to get to that. I want to get to that. Okay, I'm rushing. I'm rushing. Chapter 2, he talks about this when he says, Verse 4, for God who is rich, come on, just roll thy rich. He's rich, He's rich in mercy because of what? His great love, which He loved us. That even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together. In heavenly places in Christ. Where am I? I'm in heavenly places. The principalities and powers of the air is not in the heavens. I am in the heavens. They are in the air. And I walk on the earth. I have surrounded them. So even though they are in the air, I am above them and beneath them. I said, I'm attacking you from the bottom. I'm attacking you from the top. I said, I got you covered. You are under my feet. No principality and power can stand against this. But the church is echoing the world instead of speaking the kingdom. When we speak about a certain cause that we want to fight, instead of fighting what the kingdom said, and said, hey, I am from the heavens. And we'll end with this. Go to words. Verse 19 of chapter 2. Now therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints, members of the family the household of God some of us have got to get an understanding and a bit of a view that when we talk about God and when we talk about the household of God we're not talking about just the family down the road we're not talking about the Oppenheimers or the Wieserheimers or the Watzheimers we're not talking about a family name we're not talking about Bill Gates Bob Gates, John Gates, or any other Epstein, okay, even the craziness of what the world is, Trump, all those names are subject to the very thing. I am part of the household of God. I am part. I am a fellow citizen. 
that's part of it. Not by what I've done, but because I was born into this. I was born into this. It's my inheritance of what? The glory that lives in me in earthen vessels. That he says the following. He says, having built up the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself, himself being the chief cornerstone. That means he's built himself into this building. First Peter talks about we are living stones being built together. What did Christ do? He laid himself into the building. The chief cornerstone. Fitted into this. Listen, quick, quick. In whom the whole building being fitted together grows into the holy temple in the Lord. In whom you also being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. A dwelling place of God. But I want to give you the last bit of what this is. This building is though it is that I am a temple of God. The very power of this building is this. It's us. It's together. We are the dwelling place of the most high God in the spirit. It's when I don't see you as in the flesh. I see you in the spirit. I see the glorious inheritance. I speak what God is speaking, not what I am seeing. I'm looking beyond the color. I'm looking behind your problem. I'm looking what, and I'm, I'm connecting. I'm speaking. We're built together to carry the glory of God. But the church just wants to echo the world when he's called us to be the voice when we speak, mountains tremble. When we speak, rain comes. When we speak, life comes. I don't care what's happened in other churches. I care what happens in this church. I care what God's doing here right now. What He's being here. I'm not trying to correct somebody else. They can do what they want. I'm, I'm, God didn't make me the sheriff. There's no holy sheriff. I must correct everybody on this and that. No, we speak up when we need to speak up. We declare, but because God speaks to us. When he speaks to us to say something. But the very kind is, we're showing his glory. The world is tired of some wishy-washy little church and we just sing little hymns, Kumbaya, my Lord. We should not be giving people wheelchairs. We should be getting people out of wheelchairs. That's what the glory of God is. They have that piece of property. That's your property. They just need to wake up to it. That's all. We just keep on speaking. I don't care. I said, but did you see the giants in the land? No, I didn't see that. I saw the massive grapes. I didn't see that. I positioned myself according to a word that God gave me for 2019, for 2020. I said, position yourself. Lord, all I see is you. Then they come and the giant said, get out of my way, giant. I'm looking at Jesus. I'm looking at Jesus. I'm keeping my eyes focused and fixed on him. 
Listen, maybe you're at a place where you need to grow up and get out of the diaper, stop drinking milk and eat some meat. The milk got you to the moment, but it's time to grow up. It's time to take the diapers off and stop dirtying yourself. Oh, that was, I know. Yeah, I know. But that's not trying to be funny. It's trying to say, come on, man. There's more to this than what you're doing right now. Let's take the training wheels off the bicycle and let's go right on a ramp. Let's go some downhill. Let's do some stuff that's radical and relevant to what God wants to do now. But it starts in the knowledge of Him. It doesn't start in the morning like this when I get you psyched up and I've got the Spirit of God's working in you. It's what you do when you walk through that door. It's what you do Monday in your room. It's what you do Tuesday in your office. It's what you do in your car on Wednesday. It's what you do Friday morning when you're walking down the beach. It's, it's an understanding that God's presence is with me when I walk. His glory is with me. And when I'm faced with the stuff that's so crazy around me, that I can hear His voice in the midst of the storm. I'm with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. You are mine. Let's get through this, my boy. Come on, don't worry. Years ago, I heard the story, and I'll end with this, of a pastor who went walking with his boy out in the field. The boy was on his back, and they were walking into the forest. Clouds got a little gloomy. Some of you might have seen the story in the video. It was on Numa. And he said he walked out into the field, and he realized he had gone too far, and he needs to get home, and it started drizzling a little bit. And, and as they started running back home with his boy on his back, he realized that his boy was getting hit by the water, and the rain was starting to fall. He took his boy off. boy was crying, put him on his chest, put his arms around him, and started running back home. He said in that moment, all he did was whisper in his son's ear, It's okay, buddy. I'm with you. It's okay, buddy. I'm with you. We're going home. You see, the thing is, what the church have done is we're in the rain, but we ain't listening to the Father speak. We're not growing closer to Him when it's times of trouble. We're like, I had enough of you. Leave me in the forest. I don't want to be carried by you. I don't want you to pull me through this. I'm not trusting you in this. I'm looking for everything else to give me the security that's going to get me through this time. When the very security is His Word, His truth, His revelation. It starts with what you did this day. I don't care if you've never done this up to this moment. It's what you're going to do with the Word today. In this moment, say, hey, I believe this Word. I believe I'm going to look into this Word. You cannot, you cannot live on what I've just given you. You have got to eat it tomorrow and Tuesday, and Wednesday, and Thursday. You've got to get into the Word and say, hey man, we're reading Ephesians. I'm going to open up Ephesians, and I'm going to study it. I'm going to write down some of the Scriptures. I'm going to get into it. I'm going to start remembering a little bit what's written there about me. In chapter 3, it says, I'm rooted and grounded in love. In chapter 6, i got an armor on, man. And God says, I'm standing amongst the enemies, and they cannot touch me. What are you doing? You're, you're getting in the Word. And that revelation becomes a revelation that lives in you. Because he's calling his church out of mediocrity. He's calling his church out of this, this uh, vegetative state. And say, rise up and be what I've called you to be. Carriers of the glory of God. A dwelling place of the most high God. A dwelling place 
online church is not church. I'm just saying, it's not church. It's a means to an end for a moment, but it's not church. When people are saying, this will be the new church. No! Just like, whoa, come on, man. That ain't church. He's called us to be a body. He says, when you come together, my glory flows. My mercy. That's the truth of the gospel. We were created. God himself didn't do an online service from heaven. No, he came as man, died on a cross, called 12 with him, then made 70, then said, go out in the world, lay hands on the sick. Reba shataramah. And we're like, oh, this caught God off God. No, it didn't call him off God. He still had the same call, the same thing. He says, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, drive out demons. Woo. Still the same God, still the same gospel, still the same thing, still very much what it is. It's no longer I that live, but Christ. When I read about John G. Lake touching people and, they, and the, the virus dies on his hands, then I've got to believe that it won't touch me too. Yeah, it's a, it's a, a list of an amen there, I felt. Because we're faced with it, right? But it doesn't mean I'm going out there like, like oh, I'm just, we're no mosque, be no thing. No, I've, I've built myself up in the most holy faith. I've studied the scriptures to say faith is building inside of me to realize that I walk by faith and not by sight. That this virus will not come my way. That it's not just the virus. Cancer, you will not touch this body. TB will not touch this body. Oh man, come on. Are you? Shouldn't we be a church that believes that nothing will come to this temple? But we've got to build that up. I'm going to say the last thing. Seeing that I'm getting older. Shouldn't we believe that there's no age limit to healing? We talk about our eyes, our bodies, our lives, our things. When we walk, we say, oh, it's, you know, it's this, at this age, you know, this kind of thing happened. Shouldn't we be changing our voice? I am a temple of the living God. I will grow younger and younger. And I declare it over my life, over my body, and my children's children. That's something, we've got to be different than the world. When they look at the church, they say, what is up with you guys? You are happy, you are excited, you are blessed. That's what we're waiting for. That's what we preach. That's the gospel of life. That I'm seated in heavenly places. You know how many times I've constantly declared, Lord, I'm seated in heavenly places. I'm with you. I'm a building. I'm the temple of the living God. Lord, your presence dwells in me. When I walk in a pick and pay and I'm pushing my trolley, may they come. When we pray over the food, we're not just doing it as a nice little gesture to get everybody. I believe that that piece of bread, when that guy breaks it off and puts it in his mouth, power of God needs to hit him. It needs to be something in him. It needs to be healing to his body. He's like, I don't know. I had all these stomach problems, but since I've been eating that food from that church, something's changing in me. Something's happening in me. I don't know. I'm feeling better. I got a job. I got something happening. Oh, I'm preaching myself so good. I don't even know if I've got a lift for the second service. <laughs> I'm so glad we recorded this because it ain't going to come out the same way the next time. This is the Spirit speaking in this moment right now to you so that you can know, hey, God's doing something. I've got to get in line with what He's doing. You know, I'll end with this. On my phone, 
I've got a Spanish app, or well, it's a language app, but I'm studying Spanish on it. You know, it can be on my phone, in my pocket all the time. If I do not open that app, and I don't spend time, you know, one of the first things they open up said, you spend half an hour every single day, it's equivalent to a university degree in Spanish. So it's a motivation for me. Like, half an hour? I didn't even go to university, man. I'm learning Spanish just on my phone, lying in my bed. The Word of God can be right there in your life, but you ain't opening it. You ain't putting it to practice. You're never going to get it. You're never going to get the Word. I don't like reading. You don't like living. You can put that as a quote of Sean Besson. You don't like reading. You don't like living. The Word of God says every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. How many words are in here, man? Woo, this is a buffet. This is massive. Right in your pocket, right in your hand, right now, for the time we're living in. God's given you word. God's given you something. Use it. Apply it to your life. Say, Sean, you don't know myself. I've been trying. I've been trying. I don't care how many times you've been trying. Try again. Try again. Dave says, if love doesn't work, increase the dosage. Now, I tried the word, increase the dosage. One tablet didn't work. Try 10. Apply the word. But that will kill me. Yes, that's the whole idea. It's supposed to kill you. So it's Christ that lives in you. <laughs> I, <laughs> so what are you about to do? I'm about to do spiritual suicide. Woohoo! I'm going to get killed by the word. <sighs> Excuse me, I'm having fun. What a moment. Come on, let's stand. Let's stand. I hope it's stirred in your heart, man. I just, I felt the Spirit was just speaking right now. Don't you just love God's presence? Man, you can't get this online. Though you're watching this maybe later, come to church. <laughs> sure, man. He's called you by name to be here. He's birthed you as His child. It's time to live worthy of the call. That means walk in line with what he said. Position yourself. Apply the word. So let's close our eyes. Father, I thank you for a stirring in the spirit for a time such as this. I believe that this message this morning isn't just for what we are speaking in this moment, but it's a declaration in the spirit over our church, over this movement, the kingdom network, over our city over our families for revival. Lord, we desire revival. We want to see the sick healed, the dead raised, the lepers cleansed, and the lost saved. Lord, I thank you that we call forth a time of glory as we walk, that it will fill the shopping centers. It will fill the streets. It will fill our homes. It will fill our places of work. Lord, every single place will be filled. I declare George Street as a street of peace. I declare that this whole area will start to get free from all oppression and depression. And we'll declare freedom, Lord. Lord, in the Spirit, I stand this morning and I say, this generation will not pass until we have seen your word come true. 
I'm standing as Joshua before the promised land. And I said, Jericho, you will fall. Because God promised it. We will not be overrun by what society is saying right now. The church will not get lost in a world of voices. But we will be the voice. Your voice in the earth, Lord. love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Love you, Lord. I pray for freedom over people today. Freedom to walk in your goodness, your grace, your rich mercy and love. presence today, Lord. Come on, just drink in the spirit right now. Spirit, I pray that this word will become word of life to everyone here today. read this over you. Numbers 6 verse 24. Just with your eyes closed, just receive this. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. May these words fill your life, fill your heart. Declare it over your family. 
read it and sing it because I believe it's a word for this time thank you for it Lord today in Jesus name